And good evening, Hampton Roads. Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. Alongside me, as usual, CFP, Allison DeBrill. Together, we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then this is your forum to discuss. We'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from, and no matter what Allison and I are talking about, if it's important to you, then it's important to us. We'll get you right on air. 627-7979. That's 627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our clients' interests ahead of our own in any business dealing. And that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals, but that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m., and that's to uh, reach out and help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area as we can achieve your measure of financial success. Because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it, and it is a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. You have to put in the work. We're here to help. you got to take the first step, though. Jump on the phone lines. Give us a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, the economy, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, Retirement planning, retirement plans, 401k, 403b, TSP, 457, IRAs, Roth IRAs, mortgage options, social security strategies, or estate planning, wills and trusts. All that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance we are here to discuss tonight, 627-7979. Good evening, Allison. Good evening. Just enjoying this beautiful sunset i have like the perfect view of the sunset out this window yeah the last one we're gonna see for a while once I the time know, changes i know next weekend ugh, doomsday we're heading into <laughs> winter but back to the task at hand tonight we want to talk about a hot topic that we have been hearing about pretty often from our clients that is inflation i think a lot of people are worried about inflation as our economy is coming out of the pandemic um, while economists aren't forecasting or expecting double-digit inflation levels like we've seen in the past, um, most people still are worried about the inflation they have seen over the past year and what to expect in the next few months or years, and they're worried about the economy overheating. So if you, like most people, are wondering if you should be concerned about rising inflation, and what that can do to your purchasing power in retirement, the answer is yes. But it's always a concern. 
it's always something that we are planning for in our financial planning process and our financial planning projections. It's not something that we um, are just thinking about today because of these certain circumstances. It's always a factor in our planning. All right. So put it a little bit into perspective. Um, there's always some level in, of inflation. There should be some level of inflation. A little bit of price inflation year over year is a good thing. It generally stimulates people to make purchases today instead of waiting a year or two from now because they know that generally prices will be slightly higher. So small, modest increase in the price of goods and services, inflation, is generally overall a net positive for the economy. Now, it's garnering a lot more attention here lately because of the large federal deficit that has been uh, created, mainly due to a stimulus uh, spending to help offset the effects of the economic effects of coronavirus. It's important to note that large federal deficit, which is also you know, money printing, does not necessarily lead to high inflation. It can lead to high inflation. It, can, it is a factor in determining whether inflation increases dramatically or not, but it does not necessitate that there will be high inflation. So once again, a little inflation is good, necessary, and healthy. Too much unexpected inflation is unhealthy for the economy. But just because we have a large nas national debt does not necessarily mean that we will get high runaway inflation because of it. It is but one factor in determining whether we actually see large amounts of inflation. And I think it's all fair to say that uh, recently we've seen some uptick in uh, recent prices here. Gas is usually one of the earliest indicators. It's a very volatile com commodity anyway, but uh, it's one that most of us who don't have electric vehicles use. <laughs> and uh, so we see that most apparently. And then you usually go to the grocery store, bread and milk. You meat. see prices of meat, prices There's on the shelves. There's complaints in my household about the meat <laughs> the prices. The prices of meat, <laughs> right? That's the next place people tend to see it. But then it can also trickle uh, across um, the economy in housing and uh, building materials and uh, electronic components and so forth. Um, and certainly the in recent increase we've seen here in Social Security uh, benefits, a 5.9, call it 6%, increase in Social Security benefits is a response to that uptick in the CPI and Consumer Price Index inflation uh, of about 6%. Um, so, yes, there's a little bit more concern about it. That's why we want to talk about it. Yes, so obviously inflation or rising prices can make it tougher for people who are in retirement and living on retirement paychecks or fixed income to make ends meet. So um, we want to bring some ideas to the table today about how you can protect your retirement income and protect your purchasing power through a phase of your life that is you know, sometimes longer than any other phases of your life these days because 
when we're retiring at 60, maybe 70, and living till 90, maybe 100, we're talking about a 30 or 40 year time frame of our lives. So it's important to make sure that we are planning appropriately for inflation. Right. And it should be noted, you know, we're coming out of an historically low inflationary environment over the last at least decade, mm -hmm. where the long-term inflation trend uh, is rise in prices year over year is about 3% on average. Well, the last 10 years have been dramatically below that, 1% to 2% uh, um, of inflation over that period of time. And I can recall not too long ago, there was fear of uh, deflation, which is far worse than inflation. Um, but there was fear of that at one point in time that never really materialized. So we've really had a good run here for the last 10 years from an inflation standpoint. But ultimately, a main reason of why we do investing and why we do financial planning is to ensure that our assets, our money, our, our net worth, our um, wealth, our nest egg, grows faster than the rate of inflation because if it doesn't then you are losing purchasing power to the silent inflation killer every single year so you might have the illusion of safety by keeping your money in a bank account say but every year that price price appreciation occurs at two or three percent when the money in the bank account is earning 0.1 percent your purchasing power is becoming less each year. So you're actually falling behind. So through investments, through good financial planning, is how we ultimately stay ahead of the inflation curve. Yeah, and that was the first money move or the first thing to be aware of is to watch your cash. You know, too much cash is not a good thing. I think many people feel like they need a lot of cash in the bank in retirement that feels safe and comfortable. It uh, doesn't lose money. You can't see me, but I'm using quotations. doesn't lose money um, because it doesn't fluctuate. It's not volatile. But like you were just saying, Kevin, it is losing purchasing power. You just aren't seeing it. They say it's the silent... Uh, Killer is not the right word, but it, it, it I is. I like it. Okay, silent killer. <laughs> silent, silent killer of your net worth. There you go. Um, you're losing purchasing power. So sometimes we come across people who have hundreds of thousand do thousands of dollars in the bank because that feels safe to them because they can reach in and touch it. They can get it anytime they want it, and it's there if they need it. Never goes down in value on the surface. Exactly, but it really is losing purchasing power so it is not without risk so what should you keep in the bank well it depends we talk about this often you know what should your emergency reserve fund be a very general rule of thumb is three to six months worth of living expenses so that if you lose your job or you have some sort of um, big health expense or car repair or home damage. House calamity. There you go. Those are never ending. Um, <laughs> that, that you're not uh, relying on credit cards to bail you out of those emergencies. So three to six months is just a general rule of thumb. For our retirees, we often recommend keeping a slightly higher bank balance. So maybe it's, you know, one year worth of 
portfolio withdrawals, you know, how much you would need to withdraw from your investments to, to maintain your current standard of living. One, maybe two years if you're really cautious. But above that, that money's just losing purchasing power and should be invested for long-term growth. So we're talking about uh, inflation to get the show started, um, giving you some tips and techniques you can use to, well, first of all, hopefully some truth around inflation, what it is, um, what creates it. And just because we have a high federal deficit currently does not necessarily mean that we are going to have runaway inflation. It can be an inflationary component, but that is still very much uh, remains to be seen. Um, and then we always have in the background a reasonable healthy rate of inflation, which historically been about 3% per year. And when your bank assets are getting significantly less than that, then the fact of the matter is your net worth is declining, or at least the amount of money that you keep in the bank, the purchasing power is declining compared to the rate of inflation. So you want to be careful about how much you actually set aside in the bank. We're going to step out, take a short break. Um, we're going to be right back after these messages. If you want to jump in on this conversation or anything having to do with your personal financial situation, jump on the phone lines. Give us a call, 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, you can look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Okay, we're talking about inflation tonight, some of its effects, and what you can do to uh, battle its corrosive effects over your hard-earned money. Yes, there's been a lot of concern lately. It's a hot topic. People are worried about inflation, inflation we've experienced over the past year, and what to expect in the future. And if you are wondering if you should be concerned about inflation, again, the answer is yes, but not just because of the pandemic and our current economic situation. You should be worried about inflation because it is always a risk and a factor that should be considered in everyone's long-term financial planning. So it's a matter of degree on how much you should be concerned about inflation. Right. We need to acknowledge it. We need to plan for it, but we don't need to panic. And so there are going to be a couple of suggestions or uh, strategies, things to watch out for and how you can plan for inflation. Just before the break, we were talking about being careful about cash, Cash is king. Everyone loves cash and feels really secure and safe having a big old bank account. But your bank account is losing purchasing power because it is not going to keep up with inflation. And that's not just a phenomenon in the mm -hmm. current interest rate environment. If uh, you know prevailing interest rates, uh, bank interest rates say tick up to uh, from right now they're literally like almost nothing, 0.1 percent per year. 
Uh, maybe in a money market fund, you can get 0.5%. Maybe in a 12-month or longer CD, you might start pushing 1% that you can get on your money. But even that, I think, is unless there's some sort of bank special or something, you know, that, that's going to be hard to find. That's, so that's just because we've been in a low inflationary environment. If we see inflation tick up, then interest rates follow that. So even if you start getting 3% on your bank money or 5% on your bank money, that typically means th- that <laughs> inflation is then 4% or 6%. <laughs> the, like the bank interest rates, prevailing interest rates tend to, not perfectly, mind you, but generally tend to always lag inflation rates. So no matter what the current rate of inflation is, you're always falling a little bit behind with your bank money. That's just kind of the design of the system in order to make work for everybody. That's why you don't want to be too overly concentrated in bank money. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people ask, well, um, where can I get the best return or best interest rate? You know, the purpose of your emergency fund is not to earn the most money or it wouldn't be in the bank because you'd earn more elsewhere the purpose of your emergency fund is liquidity so you know don't stress or sweat the 0.01 percent difference between this money market or that money market just keep it in you know a bank account or a money market account Um, but keep it to an appropriate level and then invest Mm -hmm. the amount above what an appropriate emergency fund should be Um, But don't worry about eking out the most interest on that bank account. Worry about the level of the bank. And then a lot of people get really concerned about what inflation will do to the stock market or, you know, to to equities, to um, the prices of stocks for individual companies. They think it's an inherent bad. It's it's not. Um, In the short run, if there were surprise inflationary shocks, Yes, I think you would see the market react negatively over, say, a one- to six-month period. But the best inflation-fighting vehicle are the common stocks of some of the best-run, best-managed companies in the United States and across the world. Because companies have the ability—if prices are rising, you know, who's rising the prices? The companies in that make up the U.S. stock uh, exchange, so they're able to ri- raise their prices relatively quickly to offset the uh, other rising prices of, say, goods and services, raw materials, uh, inputs to their um, to their outputs, whatever that may be, um, and then able to maintain a healthy profit margin. And profits are what the main driver of stock market growth. So companies are the most nimble, most uh, adaptable vehicles in a, in a rising inflationary environment. It just, there can be some disruption in the short term. Mm-hmm. And this could be somewhat off topic, but it kind of applies also to taxes. You know, corporate tax rates going up, companies will adjust, they will become more efficient, and they will, the ones that survive will we'll figure out how to still remain profitable and we'll probably pass that cost on to the end consumer. Yeah. So the idea that you should attempt to try to time the stock market because you think there's going to be out of control raging inflation and that's going to be 
necessarily bad for the stock market. Not true. Just like large federal debt is not necessarily uh, a determinant of higher inflation, higher inflation is not necessarily determinant of a underperforming or poor-performing stock market. There's a lot more at play here, um, and it usually plays out over a six-month to two-year period. And if you are investing, you should be investing for longer than that time frame anyway and should be able to withstand uh, that type of time frame, uh, any short-term bumps that come up in that time frame. All right, we're going to pause right here for the news. We're going to be right back after these messages. Uh, get your calls in. Love to hear from you. 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, you can look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. You can also request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for our free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put in your name and address, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. I want to remind everybody, our next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, November 9th at 6 p.m. as usual. Or you may be listening to us on Saturday morning, in which case this show is a broadcast and hold those calls. But if you can't catch us live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month or as the rebroadcast on Saturday following the show, you can get this show as a podcast and take us with you wherever you go. Search for Dollars in Common Sense wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe and listen anytime, anywhere. Tonight we're talking about inflation and some of its causes and some of the things that you need to do to combat its corrosive effects. Um, but also uh, some of the uh, uses of inflation or some of the benefits of inflation. Moderate, low, controlled, known inflation is healthy for the overall economy. Unexpected too high inflation is that's problematic for everybody in the short term. Um, but just because we have high national debt does not necessarily translate automatically into inflation, which we're hearing a lot of these days. Um, so just one factor, nor does high inflation, if it were to occur, automatically translate into a bear market in the stock market. So the, there's a lot of other forces at work here. Uh, there's no need to panic. There's no need to uh, certainly change uh, investment strategy because of where we are. Um, it's just some things to be mindful of and how you can wade through this uh, territory by holding on to as much of your hard-earned net worth as you possibly can. 
Yes. So one of the best ways to plan for or combat inflation is to invest. And by invest, we mean having a well-diversified, growth-oriented portfolio, even if you are retired. And that may go against conventional wisdom oh, that is it, out it there. does go against <laughs> conventional wisdom and that conventional wisdom is still entrenched out there mm-hmm. in society based on what i read what i hear what i see on tv the people i talk to um, still uh, the old portfolio modeling for retirees is still very much entrenched in modern america Yeah, so what we're talking about when we say conventional wisdom is that you may have heard that as you get closer to retirement, your portfolio should become more and more conservative, meaning you should shift your investment allocation to be more heavily weighted to bonds and underweighted in stocks because stocks are volatile and they do go up and down. In the short to medium term. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, a very typical portfolio might be uh, 60% stocks, 40% bonds at retirement, or some, some people, even some advisors may recommend flipping that, you know, in retirement having only 40% stocks and 60% bonds. Um, that strategy no longer holds up in today's environment uh, for a number of reasons. The first being life expectancy. We talk about this all the time on the show that today, if you're alive today, you have a very high probability of living into your 90s, if not 100s. I actually heard recently at a conference that anyone who is alive in 2030 will most likely live into their 100s. So Hmm. we need to be planning for the long, long term. Retirement Hmm. is not the end. You don't retire and then that's the end. Right. Retirement is a transition into the next 30 to 40 year period of your life. So, right, getting too conservative with your investment portfolio too soon will will cause your investments to grow slower than they otherwise would and that will leave you less money over time to spend on the things that you want to spend it on Uh, travel your gifting to your family giving to charities buying a vacation home and so so forth making sure that you are well protected against uh, the the high costs of long-term care so the conventional wisdom of a 60 percent stock 40% 40% bond portfolio, or like Allison said, in some cases flipped, 40% stock, 60%. Number one, it, it with longer life expectancies, it harms your growth rate substantially over a long period of time. So that's one reason why that conventional wisdom, you know, we, we don't think works anymore. Um, but another one is, uh, and, and more sort of uh, critically in this juncture, is the high concentration of bonds. And then we have been banging this drum for at least the last five years, maybe longer, that bonds in this environment will not do what bonds did for the previous 30, 40 years. Bond values and interest rates act like a seesaw. So when 
interest rates are declining, bond values are increasing. And bonds then are a good hedge or complement to equities to help smooth out the rough patches. And that's what we saw in interest rates from the late 70s to the early 80s was a slow and steady march down from the peaks in that that period of time through probably about the early 2000s where they've kind of leveled out here down at, at, at near rock bottom. And they've been pretty low for the last five to 10 years. So the lowering of interest rates over that period of time have, has helped increase the value of bonds, which has done allowed a 60-40 portfolio to, do, uh, to hold up nicely over that period of time. But here we are today and have been for the last five plus years in a historically rock bottom interest rate environment. And they can stay down here for a while, and that's not going to hurt bonds too much. But if or when they start rising, interest rates start rising, whether it's through the effects of inflation or other market forces, the rising of interest rates will cause the value of existing bonds to decline. And therefore, we believe that there is more risk in holding bonds for the long term than there are stocks, given the environment that we are in. So conventional wisdom, we do not believe, holds up today. That bonds will not be the diversifier from stocks that they were over the last 30, 40 years. Um, and this goes true whether it's corporate bonds, whether it's municipal bonds, whether it's uh, government bonds. We're not saying there's going to be bond defaults and you're not going to get your money back. But you are going to see a decline in the value of your bond holdings when interest rates start to rise, because that's just mathematically how they work. Yeah, so bonds are not, you know, the safe haven that they are, you know, advertised to be necessarily. In this environment as we sit here right now. And so um, transitioning to retirement or approaching retirement is not the place to all of a sudden completely flip your allocation on on end and start allocating more to towards bonds i think it's really an assessment of risk i think um, many people think of the stock market as very risky because in the short term there's a lot of volatility there's a lot of ups and downs um what feels like unpredictability and they don't they don't understand why it happens oh heck no one what understands cause, why right. it happens on a daily basis no, right but don't understand why it happens for the we are still dealing with the lingering effects of the great depression and the idea that you know People can lose it all in the stock market and will jump out of the window. You know, if you invest properly, you could take that risk of losing it all right off the table. With modern uh, investment vehicles like mutual funds and exchange traded funds, that is virtually impossible. So there's just all these myths still out there. Right. So if we're talking about a 30-year time period, a retirement that's 30 years, what is the risk? Is the risk that the stock market is or equities are going to fluctuate or go down in value in the next year, which they probably will. They'll be up and down all over the place. No one knows where it's going to be in the next year. 
or is the risk that over you know 30 years you will gradually lose purchasing power and if you're not investing for growth you won't be able to spend as much in retirement or leave as much to your family or give as much to charity yeah. what is the long-term risk right. and people really? t- tend to misidentify that risk or mischaracterize the risk they they think of stocks as inherently risky because they are volatile in the short term and the short term defined as one to maybe up to three year period but when you stretch out the holding period on stocks the risk is exceptionally low that after a 10 year hold period you would that the that the US just let's take the US stock market determined by the S&P 500 the probability is like less than 2% that the S&P 500 will be lower 10 years into the future than it is today less than 2%. So you have a 98% chance of it being higher, which means you have a 98% chance of having more money, not losing all of it, not even having less money, but actually having more money, 98% chance, 10 years into the future. And when you stretch that whole period out to 20 years, I don't believe off the top of my head there has ever been a 20-year hold period that you can find where the S&P 500 was lower than it was at the start of that 20-year hold period. So when you have a long time horizon for that, your risk of loss actually decreases and your um, the probability of gain increases to almost near certainty. So wh- where is the risk, like you were saying? The risk in, in equities over that long time horizon is infinitesimally small. But as we sit here today in this interest rate environment, that risk for loss to the bond holding, and I should say, while we have reduced our bond holdings across our client base, we have not eliminated them for certain clients. But compared to that traditional 60-40 model, we are well underweighted there. They do have their place in certain circumstances, and they do hold up um, for people who are uh, taking distributions off their their portfolio. So we have changed um, how we invest for our clients, but the risk is much greater um, for those bonds to be worth less 10 years into the future than they are today compared to stocks. Mm -hmm. So we've shifted our portfolio management to increase the the probability of investment gain into the future by shifting more, uh, shifting away from bonds and into equities. And yes, that means there's going to be short-term fluctuations in our clients' portfolios, but we have we build that into our financial planning projections, and we have strategies we can use so that short-term market fluctuations in the portfolio don't affect our clients' lifestyle, their monthly cash flow, their their comfortable lifestyle. So. Um, so there are strategies that can be used to help smooth the ride, and one of them is what we already started the show off talking about is keeping an appropriate emergency reserve. Um, but again, that is really custom to each person because you want enough so that you have the proper cushion, but not too much so that your money is losing purchasing power to inflation. And determining that uh, appropriate amount is done through the financial planning analysis. Not investment management performance, 
only get a rate of return there, financial planning analysis can help put a finer point on how much should I set aside in my bank account in order to continue to live the lifestyle that I want to enjoy for the rest of my life. All right, we're going to pause right here, take another short break. We're going to be right back after these messages. If you want to jump in on the conversation, give us a call on studio line 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison Dubril, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. You can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly, and you could do both actually, Mm -hmm. and you could sign up for our free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Go to the contact page, put your name and address in there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on in the week. That's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information you request. Our next live show will be on Tuesday, November 9th at 6 p.m. as usual, or you can catch this show as a rebroadcast this Saturday coming up. I believe that's uh, October 30th, my son's birthday. Yeah. And uh, Or you can get us as a podcast and take us with you wherever you go. You search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcast. And there we will be somehow magically in the mm-hmm. podcast world. I do make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> so big birthday celebrations weekend or is well, he not coming home? Well, he's in college, so I'm sure. <laughs> You're not invited. Right. I'm definitely not invited. And I just hope he lives to see the next day. <laughs> yeah. My stepdaughter's birthday is tonight. So, mm. well, I don't want to, in case she's listening, probably not. But just in case, I don't want to give away our plans. Well, what are your plans then? No, I can't give it away. Well, I, now I'm it involves curious. food because you know me. Her birthday or your birthday? Oh, it's for her. I'm sure she'll enjoy it. Community birthday. Right. We've been talking about the effects of inflation tonight and what you can do to plan for them because inflation is not just a hot topic right now, but it's a topic you should always be aware of, a factor in your in good financial planning and retirement planning. And so to kind of go along with that topic, we wanted to just bring up the recent announcement of Social Security COLA. So Social Security announced just a week or two ago that the cost of living increase for Social Security beneficiaries will be 5.9 percent for 2022. That's the largest cost of living adjustment that we've seen in 40 years. Um, The average cost of living over the past 10 years has been much less, much, much less. It's been about 1.4%. Because inflation has been much less over the last 10 years. Actually, if you stretch it out and look at a longer period of time, Social Security has averaged 
annual increases of two and a half percent, which is much right more in about line. The long term trend of inflation. Exactly. Yeah, so one of the um, factors that plays into Social Security benefits is Medicare premiums. So oftentimes people get a cost of living, beneficiaries get a cost of living adjustment for Social Security, but then followed right behind it the month later, Medicare premiums go right up. And so your raise is effectively zero. Um, I don't think they've announced the Medicare premiums officially this year. I'd have to check on that. But uh, what it's looking like is Medicare premiums may only go up by about $10 versus the average Social Security benefit will go up by about $90 a month. So you should actually feel an increase in your income See this an, year. a net increase mm-hmm. uh, after all the math is done. Give it to you in one hand, take it away with the other. (laughs) Right. Um, If you're curious, the average monthly Social Security benefit is about $1,600-$1,700 a month. And the maximum is currently $3,100 a month. And that will be going up to $3,300 a month in 2020. Um, If you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I better claim Social Security. I want to get take advantage of that. (laughs) that (laughs) 5.9 pay increase um don't worry if you are 62 or older so if you're eligible for social security but you haven't claimed social security you will still get the benefit of this your social security benefit will be increased by the cost of living adjustment and you would see that on your social security statement if you log into ssa.gov and check your benefits has Social Security benefit ever declined? Oh, gosh. I don't think so. No. Uh, trick question. No, <laughs> no I, cannot, I cannot see that happening. It's definitely been flat. Yeah, it's been flat. There's been zero. Well, uh, actually, to answer your question, there's a hold harmless provision that because it could go down if you get no cost of living increase and then Medicare premiums mm. go up, you actually could lose benefit. You would see a decline. But there's in a pay. right, but there's a hold harmless provision that protects people that are already on Social Security from that happening. So that could happen to new people, but it shouldn't happen hold to anyone. Harmless? Yes, it is called a hold harmless provision. I'm not making it up. Mm. <laughs> So there's some Social Security facts if you are wondering what to expect in your monthly paycheck. All right. And I'll just add the uh, the general disclaimer and caveat. It will always be there in some form or fashion, whether we want it to or not. Um, and current beneficiaries typically have nothing to worry about that their benefit um, will not decline unless, you know, due to inflation amounts. Uh, but it's going to be there. It's just a matter of how much. All right, we're gonna, that's all the time we have for today. Like I said earlier, we will be back in two weeks on Tuesday, November 9th at 6 p.m. live, or you can get us as a podcast. Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts and take us with you wherever you go. For, for Certified Financial Planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. The preceding program was sponsored and paid for by Wealthway Financial Advisors. We are solely responsible for its content.